is a moment worth celebrating, you guys. Wow. Okay, grab a seat. Let's kind of explain what you just witnessed, what's been going on. But before we get into it, can I just remind you of something that I've said pretty much every single week during this series? We serve a God who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond anything we might ever ask or imagine. And doggone if he didn't just prove it, you guys. I mean, seriously, how cool was that? Okay. Who was that guy on screen? Why are they giving us this large amount of money? What's really going on? That is a pastor named Mike Todd. He uh, leads a church called Transformation Church down in Tulsa, Oklahoma. They are one of the largest churches down in the U.S. They've got an amazing ministry. And they're actually the ones who came up with the Crazy Faith series a couple of years ago. We mentioned this throughout the, the message series, how they came up with the idea. We happened to catch one of their online services where they were doing Crazy Faith. And we're like, Hey, that's a pretty cool idea. So we bought his book. You should buy the book. You guys. Yeah, I mean, you, you guys remember, it was like three weeks ago, I was standing on the stage and I said, we give credit where credit is due. Mm-hmm. And this series was inspired by Transformation Church and Mike Todd. And I even said, go buy the Crazy Faith book. You guys, he just sent us a check for like over $200,000. Go buy the man's go book. The man's book. <laughs> okay. It's so good. So, it's worth it. <laughs> so we bought the book. We started doing our own crazy faith here at Connect, our own version of it for the last six weeks. And because we were using the same hashtags in all of our social media posts, right? Like hashtag crazy faith, same as them. And because we actually tagged them in a couple of our online giveaway videos, you know? And what we did, or the reason that we did that was to say, hey, Transformation Church, look how your crazy faith is playing out amongst some crazy Canadians. Like you guys are an inspiration to us and we took your idea and we started doing it. And I'm sure there are other churches all around the world that are doing it. And we just want to say thank you for the wonderful idea. God bless you for setting the standard in generosity. Cool. And that was kind of the end of it. That's all we thought was going to happen. All right. But they took notice of your crazy faith. They took notice of our generosity as a congregation. And really and truly in their Sunday services last week, they spotlighted our little church up here in Calgary and they really have sent us a check for $208,000 and some change. You guys, by the way, that's US dollars. US All right, dollars. hello. Come on. I've never been so thankful for a conversion rate before. It's more than a quarter of a million dollars that they invested into our church. It's just, it's mind-blowing. And let me tell you something. Nobody was more surprised than about this than the two of us. Yeah. We had no clue that this was coming. We have no connection to Pastor Mike or his church. We've never been to Transformation. They're not a part of our denomination or anything like that. This is literally just the Holy Spirit working a miracle, them happening to see some online posts and deciding to multiply your generosity many, many times over, you guys. Like last Sunday, it's about 1.30 in the afternoon. Everybody's gone home except for the staff in the band. Amber and the band are down here rehearsing for Christmas Eve services. Kyle and I are upstairs just closing out our Sunday stuff, and we get a phone call on the church line. And it's some voice, and it says, hey, my name is so-and-so. I'm with Transformation Church, and you should tune into our live stream because we're about to give you guys $200,000. Okay. We thought it was a scam. I thought they were going to say, in order to receive your funds, you just need to wire $5,000 to this address in Nigeria, and then we'll send you a check. That's what I thought was going to happen. But it turns out it was totally legit. 
They really did give us this money. Not only us, but if you go watch that entire service, okay? Remember, we did our big giveaway service about three weeks ago. They did a big giveaway service. And in their service last Sunday, they gave away over $7 million to churches, individuals, community ministries. Oh, it's so good. You should go watch the whole service. I'll warn you up front. It's four hours long. No lie. It's four hours. I watched it. Amber has watched every it's minute. It's so worth it. She's like, they gave me a bunch of money. I'm going to watch every minute. I watched some of it. It's worth it. Just get a box of Kleenex and just weep your eyes out as they help transform lives, you guys. It was really just such a special surprise for us and hopefully for you as well. Now, my guess is you have a million questions, okay? And the chief question you have is, how are we going to spend those sweet, sweet American dollars, that mega church money? What are we going to use it for? I don't know, Okay. <laughs> Listen, when you win the lottery, you don't run out and buy a bunch of stuff. You slow play it, okay? You figure out the best way to utilize that money. Because the truth is, there are a million ways that we could spend this money at Connect Church. And trust me, there are plenty of people that are already trying to spend this money. I'm getting emails and text messages. I think we should buy a building. I think we should give it all away. I think we should hire. I think, you know, it's like, those are all wonderful ideas, I don't know what we're ultimately going to do. Our financial team is hard at work pursuing options and trying to figure out what it's going to look like. But the reality is, guys, we won't know how we're going to use these funds for several more months. So you're going to have to be patient with us. I mean, honestly, we haven't even received the check yet. I'm I'm assuming it's coming because they promised it was. But like, it's going to take a bit of time. So probably in January, February, maybe even March, I don't know. At some point, we'll be standing back on this stage and we'll say, hey, listen, our financial team believes that the way we should use this money is X, Y, or Z. And then we're going to ask you guys to get behind that, all right? The one thing I can promise you is that no matter what, we are going to use these funds to promote crazy faith in our congregation and around our city, you guys. It's going to be a special year, and there are going to be a whole lot of opportunities that come our way that we were never expecting because of this. How great is that, huh? Let me read for you, or I'll have Amber read it, actually. Luke chapter number 6, verse 36. I think this is such an appropriate verse for this moment. Take it away. It says, Luke 6, 36, give to others, and God will give to you. Mm -hmm. Indeed, you will receive a full measure a generous helping poured into your hands all that you can hold. The measure you use when giving to others is the one that God will use to give to you. Man, that is straight fact to you guys. The measure that you use in generosity is the measure that God will use back yes. to you because you were generous in our crazy faith offering, and we gave away $40,700 because that's how much you guys gave. Um, Because we were able to give away more than six figures last year to missions, causes, because of your generosity, God has multiplied that back to our congregation. And I'm just begging you to remember this moment and to remember that you can never outgive God. He will always return it back to you in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing in your lap. So we've got a message this morning I'm going to preach, okay? But I just think it would be appropriate for us to pause and to thank God for this wonderful, wonderful gift. Father, we bless your name. We celebrate your goodness and your gifts to our church. What an unexpected and wonderful thing to experience. As the the source of all good gifts, we praise you, Father. We also thank you for Transformation Church and their willingness to be generous, not only to us, but to individuals all across the 
world. Lord, I pray there would be more of that spirit in your churches, Mm -hmm. more of that willingness to give and to give and to give, knowing that God, you will always supply our needs if we are obedient and generous Mm -hmm. with the resources that you send our way. I pray, God, you'd give us great wisdom and and unity, Lord, in how to move forward in the next year, how to utilize these funds. But beyond that, I pray, God, that this would stimulate us to continue to walk in crazy faith each and every day. Help us to know and to believe that, God, when we follow you in obedience, there are blessings that come about as a result. One more time, Father, we praise you and we thank thank you for your good character and for your good gifts. We ask all this in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. Amen. Come on, you guys. Give a shout, you guys. Oh, so good. So good. I've been hyped all week. Like the staff has barely been able to contain me. You know what I mean? Okay, so if you were here last week, you know that we basically wrapped up the Crazy Faith series. It was supposed to be a six-week sermon series, and we uh, tied a nice little bow on it. And today was supposed to be a Christmas message, because it's Christmas week, right? We're not doing that. (laughs) When we got this big gift, it was kind of like, how can we not do another week of Crazy Faith? If you were here and expecting and really wanting a Christmas message, that's okay. We have Christmas Eve services this Friday. There are four of them to choose from. We'll tell you more about them at the end of the service today. You will definitely get a Christmas message there. You're not going to show up and be like, let's talk about Crazy Faith one more time. No, I'm going to be talking about baby Jesus lying in a manger, traditional Christmas this Friday. But for today, I want to walk you through one final crazy faith story from the Bible. It's found in Luke chapter number 17. Luke 17, in verse number 11, we read these words. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between the provinces of Galilee and Samaria. And as he entered a village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. So the story starts with Jesus entering this border town, and just before he crosses the city gates, he comes across 10 men whom the Bible says have leprosy. Now, uh, we don't know if in the first century when they used the word leprosy, they meant the same exact disease that we think of when we talk about leprosy today. It kind of seems like in Bible times, leprosy was this catch-all term for a whole bunch of different skin conditions, all right? So I don't know if it was like Hansen's disease and the typical leprosy, but the point is, whatever it was that these 10 men had, it was bad, you guys. They had a real tough time. In Jesus' day, in the first century, they didn't know anything about germ theory. They didn't know that diseases were caused by bacteria and viruses and all that sort of stuff. But they weren't idiots. They knew that if somebody was sick, it was possible to transmit the disease to somebody else. And so when someone was diagnosed with leprosy in the first century, the way that they dealt with it was to put that person into forced and basically permanent quarantine. If you got sick, you were shunned from society. You couldn't live within the city gates anymore. You couldn't be around your friends and family. You could not work. You were basically outcast and ostracized. In fact, there was a Jewish law. This is recorded in the book of Leviticus. There was a Jewish law that says, if you caught leprosy for the rest of your life, everywhere you went, you had to walk shouting, unclean, unclean, I'm unclean. Can you imagine shouting that about yourself? every day for the rest of your life. But the whole idea was like, you're healthy. Don't come anywhere near me. I'm unclean. They had it very, very tough. They couldn't work. I told you that. And so they would often have to gather just outside the city gates and beg from people when they came by. They couldn't be with their friends and family for fear of getting them infected. And so they were allowed to be around other lepers and they would gather in essentially leper colonies. They would live together. They would beg and try to eke out some kind of existence. 
So just outside of this town, there are 10 men who are lepers. And they've heard about this rabbi named Jesus who's walking up and down the countryside and teaching and healing and doing miracles. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, he's walking right in front of them. So they cry out to him, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And what you have to realize is that sounds very spiritual, you know, like, oh, have mercy on us, God. It just sounds like a very appropriate thing to say. But that was actually code. This was the exact same thing that they yelled out to every person that walked by them. Have mercy on me was code for give me some money or some food, please. That's what it meant, okay? So watch this. They had the all-powerful son of God walking in front of them, and they asked him for the bare minimum. They asked Jesus to give to them what anybody else in the town could have given them, a little money or a little bit of food. What a waste. How unfortunate. And I'm afraid you and I do the same thing. Our prayers are too small, you guys. We ask God for the bare minimum, just hoping he'll take pity or mercy on us when God wants us to not just pray for natural things, but to pray for supernatural things, to believe that he really can do exceedingly and abundantly beyond anything that we might ask or think. I have learned in the last several months, my prayers are too safe. They're too little. I want to go back out and scrub down the stuff that I wrote on the crazy faith wall and write bigger requests on there because I've just learned that God really can do more than I ever expected him to do. In fact, in the first week of this series, like seven or eight weeks ago, I told you guys, anytime you're praying, pause for a moment and say, what's the crazy faith version of this prayer request? Like I'm praying the safe version. What's the crazy thing that if people heard it, they would think I was nuts? What's the thing that I would be embarrassed for other people to hear me praying about? That is the sort of prayer that we should be praying. They had the all-powerful Messiah walking in front of them. And they said, you got any spare change? They, they could have missed a really important opportunity. And you and I, we have the all-powerful Messiah with us every single day through the Holy Spirit. How often do we miss the opportunity that we have? So, Verse 14, we're told that Jesus looked at the men and he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Now in their day, like leprosy was pretty much like a terminal diagnosis. It wasn't something that went away. But, you know, every once in a while, maybe somebody's body would be able to fight off the infection and they were no longer a leper. And they had a process for basically being declared whole and welcome back into society. You would go to the temple, you would show yourself to a priest, and the priest would examine you and say, okay, it seems clear that you've been healed of your leprosy. You are now clean and you are welcomed back into society. So when Jesus tells them, go to the temple and show yourself to the priest. He's telling these men, go there and get a clean bill of health. But there's a problem because when Jesus tells them to go to the temple, they have not yet been healed. Do you understand that? The order here in the scripture is very, very clear. They're still sick. They still have leprosy. And Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest that you're cured of your leprosy. And they're looking at themselves and they're saying, but we're not healed yet. Like, you're going to heal us and then we'll go to the temple, right? That's the order. You do the miracle, then we walk it out in obedience. That's not how it works. In fact, 
The scripture is so clear that they don't receive their healing. The miracle does not come until they start walking in faith and obedience. And then the miracle happens as they go where Jesus told them to go. This is a pattern we find over and over again in scripture, you guys. God does not move until you do. God does not move until you do. I mean, these lepers could have said, Jesus, I mean, of course we want to go to the temple, but there's no point in going until you give us the miracle. So give us the miracle and then we'll be obedient. How often we forget that miracles happen on the journey toward where God has called us. Miracles happen on the journey toward where God has called us. The book of Hebrews tell us we walk by faith. Too many Christians are like, here I sit in faith waiting for God to show up and give me my miracle. That's not what the Bible says. We walk, we move, we live in faith. God doesn't call us to sit around in faith. He calls us to get going, to trust that when we move, he moves. You know, we've experienced this during the Crazy Faith series as a church. Like you guys don't forget where we were just earlier this year. Do you remember that earlier in 2021, we had been online only for 14 months, right? Because of the pandemic. And we were meeting at a movie theater and we lost the venue. And so we were online only. And then we signed a lease on this amazing space, which was awesome until we started the renovation from hell. That thing seemed like it was never, ever gonna end. And we kept getting delayed and we couldn't meet and couldn't meet and couldn't meet. Finally, we get to open this place up at the uh, end of the spring and we're like, awesome. And people start coming back, but you know, finances are tight because of, you know, new uh, responsibilities and people are slow coming back. And it turned out that we were really, really struggling as a church financially. I told you guys that for five months, I gave my salary back to the church every single month because we didn't want to lay off staff. We didn't, I mean, we were worried about closing the doors just earlier in 2021. So then we have this family meeting. That was awkward. I call you guys together on a Sunday and I'm like, so we're broke. Um, things, things are tight. And unless something changes, I don't know what's going to happen. And so I challenged you as lovingly as I could to give and to be generous the way that the Bible commands. And that was a hard Sunday for me. But the great news is you guys responded. Yeah. From that Sunday on, we have never had a month where we didn't meet budget. Every single month, we have had what we needed to do the ministry that God called us to do. And listen, truly, you as the congregation deserve credit for that because you're the ones who heard the voice of God and responded to his call. But I got to be honest, it's not like we had a lot of margin or anything. We weren't sitting on mountains of cash over the last few months because you guys started giving. No, we were operating in the black by a few dollars every month. Then we hear the Holy Spirit say, you know what you guys should do? You should preach this crazy faith series. And then at the end, you should take up an offering. Every dollar that comes in on that Sunday, online, in person, every dollar that comes in, you should just give it away. Don't keep a single cent of it for your church. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I was like, this is a good idea, God. I love this idea. Like, really, really, really good idea. Love it. Yeah, 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 I love it. But um, times have just been really tight. We've just been begging people to give so we can pay the bills. And now I'm supposed to go stand up in front of them and say, oh, we're going to take more of your money and then we're going to give it all away. That's crazy. They're going to they're gonna lose confidence in our leadership. Tell you what. 
why don't we do this crazy faith offering and giveaway? Why don't we do that like next year when we built a little margin in the bank and you know, it just feels a little easier, a little more comfortable. I think that's a good timeline. Or, you know, God, if you want us to give away a big chunk of money, then send us a big chunk of money and I promise you we'll give it all away. But we kept feeling and hearing the Holy Spirit say, no, no, the miracle follows the obedience. You're not, you don't get a miracle and then you're obedient. You're either obedient or not. And when you're obedient, when you walk by faith, God meets you on the journey and he provides the miracle. So we said, okay, it makes absolutely no financial sense for us to take up an offering of 40,000 plus dollars and then to give it all away. But because that's what God asked us to do, that's what we're going to do. And of course, God did something incredible as a result of that. The miracle follows the obedience. We walk by faith and not by sight. And it's in the walking, the going, the trusting that God shows up and he does something really miraculous. There are so many of you and you are not walking by faith in your own life. And the reason is because you've still got it backwards. You still think that God's going to provide the miracle and then you're going to be obedient. If you're not obedient now, you won't be obedient then. God doesn't want us to wait until we receive and then get busy. He calls us to go, to follow wherever it is that he leads us and then to trust he will meet us there on the way. Maybe God is telling you to pick up the phone and call your sister. You know, that relationship's been broken for decades and it's an absolute mess. You basically don't speak anymore. And he's like, hey, you need to pick up the phone and call. And your spirit is like, no, no, no. I'm not gonna pick up the phone and call until she apologizes. But God's like, oh, you're still backwards here. The restoration flows out of the phone call. The restoration isn't gonna happen and then you're gonna call her. No, the phone call's gonna happen, then the restoration's gonna come. There might be some of you and you know the Holy Spirit has been telling you it is time for you to get out of debt. And one of the key steps to getting out of debt in your life is to cut up those credit cards. You have relied on them too much. It's gotten out of hand. You know you need to quit using them and digging yourself further in the hole. You should cut them up. But you say to yourself, I don't know how that can work. I don't have the money in order to pay my bills and continue to survive if I don't also have the credit. That's why I'm in this situation to begin with. So you keep saying, God, give me a promotion. God, let some crazy church decide to pay off my debt for me. I don't know. Work the miracle and then I'll be obedient. But that's not the order in scripture. We move and then God moves. We're obedient and then he meets us in our obedience with the miracle. Don't focus on what you see. Focus on what God said. Don't focus on what you see. I know you don't have enough to pay and that. I know your family is crazy and that. Don't focus on what you see. Focus on what God has said. If he calls you to go to the temple before you've got your healing, Go to the temple and the healing will come on the way. We move and then God moves. That is always the order according to scripture. And look, if if we don't realize that now, after everything we've got to experience together over the last seven or eight weeks, I'm not sure we're ever gonna get it. So let's start walking in faith and obedience even now. Verse 15, we read, one of the men, when he saw that he was healed, he came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. I want you to notice here that only one of the men returned to thank God. Only one of the lepers came back. And when he did, there's a symmetry to it, okay? In verse 13, he is shouting at Jesus his needs. Have mercy on me. I'm sick. 
I need food. I need money. I need healing. In verse 13, he is shouting his needs at Jesus. Here in verse 15, he's still shouting at Jesus, but this time he's shouting his praises at him. This time he's been healed. Guys, I think there has got to be the same intensity between our prayer requests and our praise reports. A lot of times... We pray so hard and so passionately. We're like, oh God, I'm on my knees because I'm so, I need you to come through here. And we're like weeping and promising and like guaranteeing God will do this and that. We recruit a prayer team, you know, we start sending out a newsletter. We'll do anything we possibly can to communicate how desperate we are when we have a need. Then God comes through, he supplies the need and we're like, thanks big guy. And then we run off to enjoy the miracle without giving proper praise to the one who provided the miracle. I'm as guilty of this as absolutely anybody. Nine out of 10 lepers made the exact same mistake. Crazy faith, you guys, is thankful faith. Crazy faith is thankful faith. And listen, it's not just thankful for the blessing. Crazy faith is always thankful to the one who provides the blessing. So today, like our staff, our financial team, our church, we are not merely thankful that some church gave us a big chunk of money. We are thankful to God, who is the ultimate source of every good gift that we might receive. We are thankful to Transformation Church for being the resource that God used to provide our miracle. Honestly, personally, I'm thankful to my wife, Amber, because if I'm honest, way back when we were planning this series or talking about doing it, I was like, I don't really know if I like this series too much. It's a little too charismatic for me, and I don't want to give people the wrong idea, and maybe it's a bad idea to take up an offering and give it away. I was the voice of doubt. And my wife is like, dude, we're doing it. The Holy Spirit told us to do it. You know we're supposed to do it. So let's be obedient. I'm thankful to her for pushing through when I kept putting up roadblocks. As Yes, indeed. She deserves every bit of that credit. She really does. As Christians, we are not merely thankful for the blessings we receive. We are thankful to the one and the ones who provide the blessings that we receive. It just, it blows my mind all the time. Like, you know, around Thanksgiving, there are non-religious people and they're like, I'm so thankful for my family and I'm so thankful for my job. And it's like, awesome. Who are you thankful to? I don't know. I mean, I'm just thankful that I have these things. Thanks always has an object. Thanks always, you always say thank you. There is a person, there is someone that we say thank you to. As Christians, that one is our father who is good and constantly giving gifts to his children. Crazy faith is thankful faith. So as we close the story here in verse 17, we're told Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give God glory except this foreigner? Like, not even the Jewish, but not even the religious person is like the least likely one to come back. And so Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has saved you. Let me ask you guys a question. How many faith, uh, how many faith, how many men in this story had the faith in order to be healed? 10, 10, 10, 10. It's not, I know it's early math. I get it. 10, 10 people had faith to be healed. 
In this story, all 10 men, even though only one of them came back, all 10 men were actually healed. It's not like Jesus, you know, he saw the one guy come back and the other nine kept going. And he's like, oh, you guys aren't grateful? Control Z. And he like undid the miracle and now they got leprosy again. No, that, that's not what he did, okay? They all had the faith to be healed and so they were healed. But there was one that came back. Now, these guys, the nine that went away, I mean, I don't think they, they, they just went back to their old life and didn't say thank you because they're bad guys. I don't think it's because they're evil or even ungrateful. I don't think that's it. I think they were just so overwhelmed in the moment by the miracle and so anxious to enjoy it that they ran off without giving proper credit. Like, they were, they were excited, I would imagine, to get back to their families, friends. They were probably excited to go eat at a restaurant again instead of begging for scraps on the side of the road. There were probably a couple of those guys that wanted to rush home and find out if she did stay faithful because she had promised, I'm going to wait for you, baby, until you get your healing. And then they wanted to go back and see if she really did. Or It was probably an ugly situation for some of them. They didn't run away and fail to say thank you because they were bad guys. They were just excited to go enjoy the blessing. But one guy said, I'm going to take a few minutes here. And I'm going to express proper gratitude. I'm going to say thank you to the one who made this all possible. And so what happens here is Jesus is so impressed by this guy who returns that he pronounces a special blessing on him that he does not pronounce on the other nine men. Pay very close attention to what the Bible says. Ten men were healed. One man was saved. Ten were healed, one was saved. What does that word salvation mean in this context? Was it a spiritual thing? Was it physical? Was it emotional? I mean, like I, maybe it was all of the above. I don't really know, but it seems abundantly clear that because of his attitude of gratitude, Jesus gave him a special grace, a special anointing, a special gift, a special blessing that nobody else received. Faith receives. Faith receives. And that's wonderful. I want you to have the faith to receive all the good gifts that God has for you in every one of your situations in life. Faith receives, but crazy faith returns. And it says, thank you, bless you, I worship you, I surrender to you because you're the one who made this possible. Guys, our church is never gonna forget 12-12-21. December 12th, 2021, like God showed up and showed out in a way that he has not. And it's hard to imagine him doing more. Although I do believe he's going to do more. You, you realize that, right? This is not the only miracle that our church is going to experience. There's going to be a whole lot more to follow. We're never going to forget 12-12-21. It's taken on a pretty big significance already in our church. In fact, with our staff, like when I'm writing emails or sending messages in Slack and stuff like that, I have taken it, I've taken to calling it the call. You know, when we received the call on Sunday, capital T, capital C, I even used the little trademark emoji with it. We got the call, the call that changed everything for us in 2021. But listen, I don't want us to be grateful for the call. I want us to be grateful for the God who moved and made the call happen. I want us to continue to express our thanks to our good father. Listen, he may not have given you a quarter of a million dollars. He may not have given you what you thought you wanted or needed, but your life is full of blessings, not least of which is your salvation in Christ. So let us not forget what God does for us every day. And let us give him the proper thanks because he is worthy. He's the one who makes it happen. How dare we ask him for things? Then he says yes, and we don't give him the gratitude in response. We're going to be that church that continues 
to see crazy things happen because we walk in crazy faith and we express our crazy gratitude to our Father in heaven. Let's pray. And then we got one more thing that we want to tell you about before we wrap up the service. Father, we bless your name. We know that everything that has happened here at Connect from day one has been because of your goodness, your love, your mercy and grace. We don't deserve it. It doesn't come about as a result of our gifts. It is solely because you love your children and you're good to us. And so, Father, I pray that we would never take our eyes off of you. Help us never to worship the gift, but always to worship the giver. And Lord, help me and everybody that's here to be aware of the ways in which you meet our needs every single day. Help us to celebrate the resource, but help us to praise the ultimate source from which every good gift comes. We're going to need your help. We're going to need your guidance in the coming months, God, like never before. But we commit ourselves even now to hearing your voice, to walking in faith and obedience, and then telling everybody about how good you've been to our church. We pray all this in the name of Christ. Amen.